Intersection is brought to you by Social Health Institute, exploring new and innovative ways for hospitals and healthcare organizations to develop and enhance their social media and digital marketing strategies. Learn more at socialhealthinstitute.com. I guess I really don't need to read anything, do I? Well, I don't think so. I mean, you're Santa Claus, right? Yes. Welcome to Intersection. I am Bobby Ratu, storyteller. What is your greatest passion? My greatest passion is being retired and enjoying it. And secondly, reinventing myself to keep me busy. Okay, hold on. So, so, So how is Santa retired? Well... Santa retired from the real work world in 2002, and Santa gets bored easily. And he's created any number of iterations of himself. This is one of those iterations, and it keeps me hopping and on my toes 12 months out of the year. I just believe, don't you? It's that time of year where kids can be kids, and so can us little adults. We just can't hold back. Admit it. You get a little giddy when you see jolly old Kris Kringle. You have the yearning to go crawl up in his lap and share your greatest wish each and every holiday season. But there is only one Santa Claus. At least every kid believes there's only one Santa, and all the other Santas are... Well, just fake Santas. But I was able to catch up with old St. Nick. He invited me to his temporary home on the lake in Townville, South Carolina. Just a short stopover before heading back to the North Pole for the last push before Christmas. It was Christmas 2014. I captured one of my most favorite images of Rosebud and Santa. It is this picture that is now hanging in our house each and every holiday season. It is this picture that made me want to meet the man that made Rosebud's eyes sparkle. So regardless if you believe in Santa, there's one thing for sure. Santa's helper named Charlie Jordan believes. He believes so that many others may continue to believe. Are there a lot of Santas or is there one Santa? Oh, listen, pull my beard and tell, is it real? That's real. Is the hair real? That's real hair. There's only one me and I'm... As much Santa as you'll ever see. So the kids have this debate and want to know why one Santa looks different than the other Santas. And why, like, Rose only wants to see you because she knows you and believes you're the real Santa because all the other Santas are fake. Right. And that's, that's what we all do. I mean, I want everybody when they have had an experience with me to have fun and to leave there thinking that they have really talked to the real man. No ifs, ands, buts, and ors. So when does one realize they want to be Santa? How do you come to that point in life and say, I want to be Santa? Well, when you're at 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 a restaurant, and you're checking out, and a guy comes up and says, 
here's my card, and when you get ready to be Santa, you call me. <laughs> and so you call him, and he says, man, I'm so glad. Let me tell you my story. And his story is he was an executive with an auto company that closed the plant. He had to have something to do, so he became a Santa. His first job offer was spending two months on the beach at Maui. He couldn't take it because of some other things, so he had been somewhere else. But I'm thinking, he left an an availability for me on the beach in Maui, man. I got to get into this stuff. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, the realization that you have skills that you don't, that you have no concept that you have. And I've always loved to pick on people and pick at kids and play with them and just keep them entertained. And so it's a part of who I am. And this is just a a way of me enjoying it. And apparently other people enjoy it too. Well, most people just can't grow a beard. Like I, if you, I have tried to grow a beard and it comes like in splotches. Yeah. I, I, and, and see, I've, I've never had the long beard until 2002, which is when I retired. Um, Had never gone through the hippie style. I'd never had hair in my ears. Okay. How does that feel? Awful. (laughs) But I I will tell you this story. Um, And you notice I tell a few stories too. Absolutely. Okay. My mom was still alive when I started the hair. And she lived in Hartwell, Georgia. I go over there about every two weeks, and it's the same scenario. It's just the way my mother wanted to play life. You sit at her kitchen table. She feeds you chicken strips and green beans because you need chicken strips and green beans to be healthy, especially the green beans because you might not eat your veggies. (laughs) And she's looking at me, and she calls me by my name, and my... Inclination. It was, it was, most people call me Charlie, but I was Charles when I grew up. So she looks at me and she says, Charles, I don't like your hair. And I said, well, nanny, if I pull this off on a good day, I can make about what you make in a month on social security. She didn't say any more. We went on, did our other conversations. Two weeks later, I'm sitting there. And she says, Charles. (laughs) And I'm thinking, oh, here it comes again. I got to listen to it. She said, you know, I've been thinking about your hair. I could give you a permanent and it'd look a whole lot better. (laughs) 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 And, you know, it got to where after I'd done it two or three years that she would bring me to show me to her friends. And if there was a party at her church and I wasn't working, I had to go to her church with her so that everybody could see that her son was Santa Claus. So, Tell me about the first time that you were Santa. First time, oh boy. The first time I was Santa, I was 23 years old and working in radio in South Georgia. My One of the other guys at the station had two little girls. And um, so we rented like a $10 Santa Claus suit that looked bad. And I had to be Santa for his kids. Now, they lived out in the boonies, sort of like out here. 
they had a dog that was half Redbone Hound and half Doberman Pinscher. And the dog liked me during the daytime, but I had to go out in the barn and change clothes to come in and be Santa. And I just wasn't sure that old Trotter was going to like me. So anyway, do that. And I said, you know, why do I need to change back into my real clothes? So I was driving back to where I lived and had a flat tire. And with my Santa Claus on, not a single person stopped to help me change my tire. What? It was a bad omen. That's blasphemy. I know. And then I didn't play Santa for another 30 years. I'd be mad too. Yep. But the next time I played Santa, I was Santa for a group with my kid. It was like 12 degrees outside. They put the thickest, they rented the outfit for me. Put the thickest fleece thing on possible. I have never smoked in my life. The guy who had rented the beard before me smoked a pipe with cherry blend tobacco. Okay, so every breath I'm filling my lungs with this stuff. And this is at church, and we had a little basement thing. They had the temperature perfect until people started getting there. Okay, so I go in, I'm reading to us the night before Christmas for the kids. And I'm, I'm, I must be 900 degrees in there. I can't get my breath. And I'm going, "Twas the night before Christmas. And all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. And my wife could see that I was in real trouble. I mean, I was dying in that thing. So they got me out as quickly as they could. I stripped to my waist. And it was really four degrees outside, honestly. Uh, and sweat's pouring. I'm, I'm, it's freezing in little bubbles all over me. And I said, I'll never do Santa Claus again. And then I heard about Maui, and it changed the whole thing. So I, I've been kind of thinking about this whole Santa thing. And, you know, you see Santas around. Oh, yeah. You see some that are thin. Mm-hmm. You see some that you can tell the beard is not a real beard. Right. You can tell that there's something about the face of Santa. There's the nose and the eyes. It all has to work because if you think about it, we have grown up with this nostalgic view of what Santa looks Absolutely. like. So what are the characteristics that make a Santa look like a Santa? Like I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about it. Like number one, the beard. Yes. The hair. It's got to be the face. And honestly, a pillow just doesn't do it. No, no. Um, you know, it, it. I don't think of myself as looking like Santa, but I don't know what Santa looks like. But what I do know is that they, there are people that look at me and say, you are the most realistic Santa I've ever seen. I don't know. I, I see people that are Santas. I, I, there's a whole bunch of Santa network things, groups, and I'm on a bunch of them. They're people who look like Santa to me. They're people that look, look like old men with beards that don't look like Santa at all. And, uh, you know, from my perspective, 
I think a lot of what I do is this, it's a personality thing. By the way, Santa's getting a phone call right now. It's very important because no. kids want their Christmas presents. Oh, oh, is that what that is? I think, I, I don't know. You know, sometimes uh, in, in some of my things, when we deal with uh, elves that have been touched by human hands, I have to call the North Pole and get dispensation to work on the elves. And I had one last year. He climbed up on you know, the ceiling fan. And nobody knew that he was up there. And they turned the fan on, slammed him against the wall, and they had to bring him. They brought him in a shoebox. And, you know, I called and got instructions on my cell phone, you know, as to how to to deal with him. So we'll go back to the elf. Okay. The elf is interesting. The elves are interesting. But I like what you started talking about is people have it in their mind of what Santa looks like. Yeah. And it's cultural. I would be willing to bet if we went to Florida, people have a different look, thought. If we went to another country, another part of the country, a different area, people have just different viewpoints of what Santa looks like. And even you don't think you look like Santa. Well, I don't think I, I, I don't think that I look particularly like Santa, but I don't think I look different than Santa. I just, it's just not a part of, of my conception of who I am. Huh. Um, I think that we are most, um, most focused in our opinion of who Santa is by the Coca-Cola Santas and, and the, the paintings that were done, illustrations that were done at that point in time. Um, uh, and I, yeah, I do look a lot like them. Which is interesting. And so I think there's some physical characteristics. Yeah. Also, I think there is some authenticity in the type of Santa outfit you have on. Like, for instance, when I look at your Santa outfit, your clothes, your Santa clothes, the red and the boots, and it feels authentic. Whereas... Other Santas, it feels like a bad suit got missized somewhere down the line. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I, um, I'm extremely hot-natured. So from almost the beginning, especially after the, the episode in the church basement, uh, I've worn a vest instead of the full suit. Um discovered a, a different kind of shirts, which are hanging right behind you, uh, that are lightweight. And so I try not to overheat. And, uh, and so that, that helps. Kids ask, where's your hat, son? I said, well, this is down south. Good manners say you don't wear a hat inside the house. <laughs> and they don't ask twice. Because they believe you're Santa. They, they know I'm Santa. And they will always believe you're Santa. Oh, listen, there's, there's, without going into too much verbiage that I shouldn't say in open media, I have had parents come up to me and say, it's your fault. I've got a 14-year-old that still believes in you. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I did my job. That's great. <laughs> you know, hey. I, but, you know, I, I, almost all of my work is done 
in conjunction with photography in one way or another. So I have two jobs. One is to create the experience for the kids, but the other is to create a scenario where the photographer can get good, I like to say good images and good expressions. I'm a non-smile photographer in a smile world. I think that it is just awful when you tell a kid to smile because at age one, they might smile. At age two, it's this plastic look. And by the time they're eight or 10, they can't smile. When a camera comes along, they just do this grin. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, so so much of it is, is just enjoying what I do. It's fun. Talk about when kids come to wherever you're visiting. Okay. And there are kids that are excited Mm -hmm. and they can't wait to share because they've been thinking about it all day. Oh, yeah. That mom and dad have told them that we're going to go see Santa tonight. And they've been thinking about it nonstop. Mm -hmm. And then there are children that have anxiety that probably won't get even 10 feet near you. And there's a lot of coaxing and persuading. Talk about the different types of children that you interact with and, and how Santa has, you found a way to connect with them sometimes. Yeah. I, I, I I don't, I don't know when I do it. Okay. But I go from this voice hyper. Hey, I'm glad to see you to hello. Hey, I'm so glad to see you. Oh, are you ready to sit in my lap? Are you ready to play with my toys? Yeah. And I don't know. I'm not cognizant of when it happens. I just know that I changed my persona. And um, there, it's like, um, well, I, I, I made what is to me a faux pas. I said, are you ready to sit in my lap? I never say that mm. to a kid that's a little bit afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we do things with a jack-in-the-box. Mm. At one point in time, I'm doing jack-in-the-box, and I've got a little kid that's really going to it, and I said something about and it will scare me. And the kid backs off. And I thought, I never, ever want to say scare me again. Mm. So it surprises me. Don't you jump. Don't you jump. And that don't you jump. Then I jump, they jump, they smile, they laugh, and we get a good photograph. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, it's a learning process. Every little kid is a puzzle and you've just got to solve that puzzle. I'll probably out of the thousand or so kids that I'm really connected to every year, I'll probably have five or six that I just, they just scream and holler and there's nothing you can do. But one of the great things about my job is I see mamas cry. Mm. They bring that little baby in, the, the two-year-old or three-year-old that's screaming and hollering, and I get them involved. And before long, you know, we're doing magic tricks, and we're playing with the jack-in-the-box and blowing bubbles and stuff. And, you know, mama walks out, and there's tears running down her cheek because it was really, really important to her to get that good photograph of her baby. And she didn't think it was going to happen. And it did. So what is the funniest thing that has happened to you? 
you know, I, I don't know that I can tie down a funniest thing. I think where where I find it most interesting is the funnier things that children ask for. <laughs> and, and, you know, your expectations of why, you know, why do they want this? Um, Give me an example. Well, one little girl wanted a, a clothes basket, you know, a little clothes <laughs> hamper. And I'm thinking she oh. wants her own clothes hamper. Okay. Well, no, that's not what she wanted it for. Her favorite game in the whole wide world was hide and seek. Oh. And she had discovered the clothes basket in her house. And she would get the, take the clothes out and she'd hide in there. Well, her mother finally said, you can't do this anymore. You know, we don't really want these clothes scattered all over the house. So she wanted her own clothes basket. That's kind of cool. And then, you know, I get... Um, a number of kids that are really into crafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, uh, and I love to play the play on words, but we got a bunch of slimy kids. <laughs> you know, the the seven, eight, nine year old, maybe ten year old little girls, they'd rather make slime than play with dolls. <laughs> I've got a granddaughter, man. She 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 is the slime queen of Malden. She's all, already recorded her own YouTube videos making slime. That's awesome. I mean, this it, Santa's granddaughter is famous on YouTube making slime. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, you tune in. <laughs> her name is Isley Bishop, the slime queen of Malden. Oh. Uh, but you know, I've had kids that wanted feathers. Huh. And they were they were cutting parts of the feathers and gluing them to make art, like painting. Huh. Um, you know, somebody who wants tape. What do you want tape for? Well, I, I'm, Mama says I use all the tape around the house. I want a bunch of tape so I can make my little projects. <laughs> uh, I've got a thing with boys, uh, boys and girls, but mostly boys want dirt bikes. <laughs> and why do you want a dirty bike? <laughs> no, I don't want a dirty bike, Santa. I want a dirt bike. Well, why don't you want a clean one? Yeah. And uh, I, I do a thing with the, the counting. I, I, don't, I don't know if I've done that one to your kid or not, but if, particularly five years old is wonderful. I'll say, they'll say, how old are you? And they say, well, five. I say, let me see your fingers. One, two, three, four, five, six. There's six. And they say, no, Santa, you're wrong. I said, well, count mine. They'll start out. Now they'll say, one, two, three, four, five. And they get here, and they're at six. And I can't, oh, Santa, what are you doing to me? Um, and if they're six years old, I say, well, I'm sorry you don't feel good. And they say, well, I'm six. And I said, yeah, I know you need to go to the emergency room. I've got the episodics. You want to check my throat? <laughs> no. <laughs> but this is a totally different perspective. But it's also the same thing. I had a really good friend when I went to an engineering school who was an All-American high school football player. The day he graduated from high school, he was water skiing and broke his neck. Mm. And uh, quadriplegic electric wheelchair. And he told me any number of times, he said, you know, the worst thing about it is nobody picks on me. Nobody tells jokes about me. Everybody is afraid they're going to offend me. And I'm the same person I always was. 
And I thought, well, gosh, I'm going to pick on him. And I did everything I could to make his life miserable. <laughs> just absolutely things. If you didn't know what was going on, you'd think I was just awful. He loved it because I treated him like he always had been treated. Yeah. And kids are the same way. Pick at them. Make up stuff. Yeah. I, I talk about um, there'll be a rhinoceros in a picture. That's a nirosinus. And there's a pippohotamus. And look at the effluence. <laughs> and they look at me like, who are you? And I, well, I'm Santa Claus. This is how you pronounce these things in the North Pole. You're, you're down in South Carolina. You talk different. <laughs> that is so awesome. It's fun. Now a quick break to ask you for your help. Did you know Intersection Podcast is part of a network of shows, and we're looking for your feedback? We would appreciate your help if you could take a few minutes to fill out a short listener survey. Go to survey.intersectionpodcast.com. That is survey.intersectionpodcast.com. We hope you'll share your experience. Hi there, this is Bobby again. We need your help. If you like Intersection, we'd really appreciate you taking a moment to leave us a review. Whether you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher, please take a moment to leave a review. This is important because it helps others find our show. Thank you so much for your help. So the first time we met was, I think it was either 2000. I think it was 2014, and we were at a church. Okay, and um, I walked in the door, and by profession, I'm a storyteller. By trade, I'm a photographer, and so I guess by profession, I'm a storyteller, and <laughs> I was a photography professor. So hey, I I like my cameras, so I always carry a camera with me everywhere I go, and. We got to the church, and there was this massive line. And we had the opportunity to go with my um, my brother-in-law, who is one of the pastors. And he said, look, won't you come? This is her family. We got a Santa. It'll allow all the kids to sit. You know, we get a few minutes. And we walk up, and there's a line out the door. There's a madhouse in the church. Kids are running all over the place. And I'm kind of watching, and so I brought my camera, my long lens, and I knew Rose, we had been talking to her, she was a little nervous. It's the first time she's ever sat on Santa's lap mm-hmm. by herself. We typically won't. At two and three, we would sit her down with her. Yeah. And so we talked to her, and she was ready, and she's excited. And we walk in, and we see you there, and it was picturesque. It was beautiful. You had, you know, it, it was like I felt like I was a kid, and so I wanted her to have that same experience. Yeah. And so here she is, she's walking up, and it was her turn. And I looked over at the church photographer, and I was looking at the pictures coming out, and they were all bright and, you know, just flashy and stuff. I'm like, I'm going to get a good picture. And so as she walked up and sat on your lap, I crouched beside the photographer, found the right angle, and I hit a shot. I squeezed off about 30 shots, and I was like, okay, I think I got something. But then I'm up there kind of taking care of Rose. And she did really well. And that night we went back and we're all sitting around talking and I pull it up and I'm 
without even color grading it, I put it up for the kids to see up on the screen and everybody saw the picture and they're like, that is a real beautiful picture. That looks like a real, that's the real Santa. Mm -hmm. And all the kids from that point on said, that's the real Santa. We don't care where he (laughs) is. We want to see that Santa. And so that was the moment that we met. My point being is we have been following Santa for a while. Well, Santa disappeared for a year because the church didn't have a Santa back one year, and we didn't know where Santa went. And so we had to convince the kids that there were helper Santas around. Mm -hmm. So we found a helper Santa, and we went and visited the helper Santa. But all the kids were like, that's not the real Santa. Mm -hmm. And so we found you last year at Grady's, Mm -hmm. and you reemerged. And when this was when we first had the twins. So anyway, we had the twins. We brought you in. And Rose looked and goes, that's the real Santa. (laughs) And so to an early age, she has recognized who you are. And so my point being here is that even kids have a perception and a belief of what Santa is. Oh, yeah. And... What is that like to see their eyes light up? Oh, it's it's a trip. Uh, I mean, it's it the the ones that I see that run to me, spread out those little arms and can't just just. I mean, it's just it really it it feeds your soul. And uh, doing a party uh, Saturday night, little boy would not have anything to do with me. And I kept picking at him and finally showed him this. And he brought me this thing out of his truck. Before long, he would run, play around with the group. He'd come get my lap. He'd sit about two minutes. We might talk. We might not have anything to talk about. And he's about three years old and not real, not terribly verbal. So I don't know what to talk to him about um, at some point in time. And But he'd come get my lap and he'd run. It, it's, it's really just... I, I don't really know how to explain it. It's it's like this is just one of those really great things. You know, when you've been away from your kids for a week or two, and all of a sudden they want you in their arms, hey, that's that's the same kind of feel. And some days I get that over and over again. And I don't take rejection personally for the ones that are afraid of me. Oh. Used to. <laughs> yeah. And that was that hard for a while? It was for a while. I'm just... Um, I don't like to give up and I, if, if I'm in one of those, well, like at Grady's, there were several kids, mom would plop them on my lap. They go screaming. I said, don't leave, take them, walk around the store a little while and then come back. And if they are of a certain age, let's say from six months to 12 or 13 months, I have a very prescribed method that I want them to use and that they walk them around so they don't know where we are. They take their hands and put under their arms with them looking at the mom or dad. They walk straight, put them on my leg. They do not turn around. They back up. And as they back up, they talk the whole way. The kid won't pay much attention to me as long as they do it that way. 
and we can get some photographs. The moment mama or daddy turns around to walk away, they think they're leaving, and it's uh, Katie barred the door. (laughs) And And nothing works all the time, but there are things that work most of the time. What age do kids actually start telling you what they want for Christmas? Usually the two-year-olds will tell me a little something, and then it goes on up. Uh, Different kids are totally different. Some kids want one thing. Some kids want the Encyclopedia Britannica, which is, I guess, no longer published. (laughs) (laughs) And what are some of the oldest kids or teenagers or people that have sat in your lap that you can tell they truly still believe? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that still believe tend to ask a lot of questions. Ten-year-olds pretty much are, are, are really tough to sell. Some of them know way too much, and they ask way too in-depth questions. And, you know, sometimes you just have to just wing it. Um, I, one little boy, Saturday night at this party, um, you could tell that he he either knew or he thought he knew, but he was sure going to push the envelope. He came up, said, am I on the good list or the bad list? And I said, you're on the maybe list. <laughs> he said, what's the maybe list? I said, you got 10 more days, boy. You got to straighten this thing out. <laughs> well, he came back about 30 minutes later. He said, am I on the good list or the bad list? I said, you're still on the maybe list. He said, no, you have to give me an answer, yes or no. And I said, I'm Santa Claus. I get... To make the rules. You're on the maybe list, but you're getting closer to the bad list. Now, he left me alone about that. He, he, kept, he kept messing with me, but it's fun, and it's fun for them. Right. Yeah. What does it mean to believe? Um, I'm going to answer it in a little bit different way. Um, parents... Uh, I've I've got one place that I've gone to since um, for 11 years. They have a 12-year-old son. So he was a little bitty fella when I first went there. And he's been with me with one exception every year. And um, last year, he pushed the envelope, and he had to become a non-believer, so to speak. And um, his mom said... Now, Anthony, did you enjoy it? And he said, oh, yes, Mom. It was one of the neatest things my whole life. I just really looked forward to it. She said, you really aren't all that disappointed. And, oh, no, I wouldn't. I really, really am glad that you guys did this for me. So what it means to different kids may be different, but I think almost all of them, like to have that sense of wonder and you know yeah they might be a little bit let down for a little while but then it's the realization that my mom and my dad really went to a lot of trouble so that I could have this experience yeah and it's everybody's not going to want to do that it's okay yeah but for those that do then I like being Santa Claus You know, there's not a guide for parents to teach their kids about Santa Claus. You can't just go buy a book and read about how to start bringing Santa Claus into your house and decorating and 
talking about what Santa Claus is. There's no go-to book. There's no place to educate you. It is built into us culturally to believe in something in this Christmas spirit. Yeah. And in some way, we connect it with Santa Claus, the Kris Kringle, the the man, the wise man that sits in front of us and will fulfill our dreams and our wishes. But that never really escapes us, does it? You know, we may be kids and we have this fantasy of what being able to go sit in a lap and tell something that we want for Christmas, but it doesn't go away, does it? No, no. Um, You know, I, I, I think one of the more interesting things, if, if I look back, um, I was, I was raised sort of by a consortium. My mom and dad lived in a house. My grandmother, my grandfather, and my aunt and uncle lived in my next-door neighbor's house. Or my, they were my next-door neighbors. My across-the-street neighbors were my dad's uh, mom and dad. Now, I used to say, well, gosh, if, if I didn't like what mama was cooking for supper, I knew where I could go somewhere else. <laughs> but... Um, you know, they all participated in the the Santa Claus process. Uh, if it was nothing but you know having stuff hidden at their houses, and I remember, uh, I was uh, let's see, what is a nice word for me that won't get me in too much trouble with me? I was somewhat devilish, <laughs> and um, you know, Christmas Eve night, I'm not going to sleep. And I didn't for a long time. And about one o'clock, my grandmother came in and she put some things under the tree. My mama and daddy had gone to bed. I get up, I go check them out. Then I go back to bed and go to sleep. Mama and daddy woke up in the middle of the night and planted things. But, it, you know, that, that experience, I didn't find it traumatic at all, but it changed my perception, knowing that, yeah, Santa Claus is is real but santa claus is unreal because the unreal is the amount of love that your parents have and how they show that to you by this experience that that you get to have one of the things that we as a family have introduced we talked a little bit about it earlier is the introduction of the elves i have a love-hate relationship with elves you know, those little stinkers are something. And I want to tell you a story, and then I'd love to hear what your thoughts about Santa's elves. Okay. So we introduced Dopey and for my nieces and Chippy for Rose into our family a few years ago. And she loved it. She thought it was so much fun as a little. And now she's seven, and she believes in, in Chippy leaves mm-hmm. so much so that the other night she got in bed and I made the mistake of moving Chippy to his next fun little location while before she had fallen asleep. So here I am standing in a chair up hanging and doing things with Chippy in one hand and his hat in the other. And I'm hanging up Sarah's like you did it too early and she popped in and she mm-hmm. goes, Daddy, you're touching him. Why are you holding him? And I dropped him. <clears throat> and she was like, How did that happen? And I was like, Rose, I have no idea. 
he just started flying and he landed in my hand and this and that. And I was making it up as I was going and you just saw her world collapse. Mm -hmm. And so over the next couple of nights, we had to go through this process with her of writing notes and begging Chippy to come back and hope he's not hurt. And so <laughs> she believes in that little Chippy, that little elf. And it has some power, too. We can use Chippy to, you know, you better make sure Chippy's watching you. Mm -hmm. But I wonder sometimes, is that taken away from the Santa fun, too? Or is it just another toy? What What is Santa's opinion about his elves having fun, as much fun as Santa's having? Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you my my problem with the elf has nothing to do with where you're coming from at all. A mama will come to where I'm being photographed and she will have a bag with the elf in it and she will send it to me with the elf's name. And no further instructions. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do with the elf. I realize that I'm, I think I'm the only person that's supposed to be able to touch him. <laughs> you know, and I'll hold him or I'll stick him on the wall or something or another. Uh, but I, I don't know, you know, if, if people give me instructions and they fit within the guise of what we're doing, I think it's just another thing to add. I've had fun with the elf. I tell you, you know, the, the, the one with the ceiling fan, um, one little girl was just distraught because her friend brought the elf to school. <laughs> in her backpack <laughs> you can't touch these things you know and she gets it out and is playing with it and so we had to report her to the chief elf at the, at the pole you know and I'm on the phone you know and I mean I get my phone and we dial some probably my own number and you know and I'm having this conversation and it's you know it's just it's fun and it's, it's certainly another dimension. I don't think it takes away from the Santa thing, but people who don't know all of the implications of everybody's elf need to be aware that I don't know them either. <laughs> yeah. Come uh, on, you're Santa. You're supposed to know all yeah, this stuff. Let, let me tell you one of my favorite <laughs> stories. This one's not too terribly bad. Uh, talking about an elf and the mama... Um, says, oh, said, we, we've got the worst elf. Said, his name is Stinker. <laughs> and said, got to be a pretty bad elf. So I tell everybody about Stinker. And uh, so we woke up one morning, and there's three little girls in the family. And we all got our baths and showers and went to put our clothes on. There was no underwear. <laughs> None! <laughs> What did we, we we know we had clean underwear, and we walked down the stairs. We can't find our Christmas tree. There's nothing but a pile of panties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here comes you know. So Mama has to deal with that. The next morning they get up. the The kitchen table is covered with flour, and that elf had been making flower angels or snow angels in the flour. Yeah. 
So, I mean, you, you come up, people come up with all these stories. Parents, some of them have really had a ball with this. We have fun. Yeah. But it's gotten to a place where we're running out of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was my turn, and Sarah and I switched off. And I waited for my little alarm to go off at 1230 to make sure she's asleep. And I get up in the middle of the night and I've got to make something up because we've done everything. And so I finally figured out like, okay, I'm going to just hang them in something that looks like a sleigh from the ceiling fan. Mm -hmm. And I hope that no one turns it on. (laughs) You know that. Okay. (laughs) Or... The other, the the most creative one that Sarah's had this year was she put them in a jar so that Rose could walk around with them. Ah. And so I started cracking jokes like, so what does he do if he's got to go to the bathroom? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's hard. Those little stickers are hard. (laughs) Let's talk about the holiday spirit. Okay. People believe in Santa. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you hope that people believe in this holiday season as they have gone to see Santa, they have told their wishes? What do you hope for? Um, I like to think that there is some part of what Santa Claus does me, but other Santas too, that adds to the happiness, the warmth, the the comfort that people get from their families. And, um, you know, I know that everybody's family situation is not always as good as, as some. But I like to think that for a moment or for a day or for whatever period of time that, um, that we, can, we can sort of be little children ourselves and see our little part of the world as a pretty darn happy place. Um, you know, I have... Uh, in, in this this last year, I've been aware of a, a couple of families that, you know, they came to see me. And a week later, one of them isn't there. Hmm. And, you know, you, you, you have to think, well, you know, I've had a good life. Uh, I've had some things in my life that I wouldn't want anybody to have to have. But I've had a good life. And um, I think I've made the choice to be pretty happy, whatever that word happens to mean, in some circumstances that a lot of people might not have been happy. And I wish that some of that could be just, there's some kind of contagious fever that I, I could give some people that, you know, this is fun. You know, one of these days you're not going to be here. It may be, you know, when you're 50 years old. It may be when you're 70 years old. I talked to a man yesterday who was 102, and he's just cranking away. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's 
the, those are the kind of things that you'd like to think that maybe you can spread. Yeah. So what does Santa get when the child gets up in your lap and smiles? What do you walk away with? We know what the child walks away with. I hope a little bit of the same thing. Um, you know, the, the, the feeling that I've added to somebody's life as, as a teacher, you know, for a long time, there were some students that, uh, are still very, very grateful that we met and there's some who aren't, uh, that was a given in the process when you start. And, uh, you know, you just have to be glad for the ones that you can help. And as a Santa, uh, I'm glad for the ones that I've given a good 15 minutes or a good five minutes or a good smile or a good day. Glad I got to make this trip around the sun and get to do it. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the one and the only (laughs) Santa Claus. Thank you for your time. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and exploration. Most importantly, the many intersections inside the world of storytelling. Intersection is powered by the Touchpoint Media Network, podcast dedicated to discussions on all things healthcare. Go to touchpoint.health for many other podcasts exploring digital marketing and online patient engagement strategies, CIO and technology strategies, the challenges of the online physician, the power of the e-patient, and most importantly, the power of storytelling. To learn more, go to touchpoint.health. That is touchpoint.health.